Welcome to episode 22 of Faith and Beliefs Refuted, podcast dedicated to refuting the statements and claims made in the Saints Unscripted Faith and Beliefs episodes. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm. So now on these things, so if you're just joining us, uh, you can go back. There's, we're in 22, so there are 21 other episodes uh, that I have gone through. And it's not simply just to refute what is said. I'm not refuting that these are the things that the Mormons believe. But what I am doing is uh, explaining where the Christian view on these things come from and why, one, Mormonism is wrong, and two, why Christianity is true. And hopefully in each one, probably not in every one, but in the majority of them, I'm able to present the gospel to you. So this week, again, what has happened, it seems like, is rather than going through the faith and beliefs, um, which is what they started out, they started out, uh, David started out with the articles of faith and then some different things, the, the Mormon LDS plan of salvation and so on. The last couple episodes have really been apologetic um I want to call them apologetic red herrings of what the uh, just refuting different arguments essentially that Christians use um, when evangelizing or conversing, discussing with Mormons, whether it's at the temple or anywhere else. Today is another one where uh, David is going to talk about the feelings that uh, are obtained in praying about the Book of Mormon. So again, as usual, what we'll do is we'll just let David go and we'll we'll play the video. And as I feel like I need to stop and interject, I will. And then we'll do some explanation at the end and go from there. So let's go ahead and get our friend David and let him tell us about feelings. When people first learn about the Book of Mormon, our missionaries will generally ask them to do three things. Read it, think about it, and ask God with real intent if it is what it claims to be. The promise is that at some point and in some way, God will answer that prayer through the Holy Ghost. That should make sense to any Christian. We believe God answers prayers. Now, how will the Holy Ghost answer that prayer? Well, it could be in a variety of different ways, but oftentimes answers from the Spirit come in association with the fruits of the Spirit or feelings of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, etc. Some people understandably have a big problem with that because feelings shouldn't be a valid indicator of truth, right? I mean, pizza... Okay, so, great place to pause with the pizza. Um, when, when the Bible lays out the fruits of the Spirit, peace, joy, 
patience, kindness, so on. I, I should have them memorized, but I don't. Um, these are not feelings. They're not feelings as it's, as it's related. It's not a feeling of love. It's the fruit of the Spirit is the acting out of love. Um, it is joy, I guess, would be an, a feeling. But um, patience is not a feeling. Kindness is not a feeling. So for him to refer to those as feelings is, is actually deceptive. It, it's, it's twisting what that truly is to, to boil it into uh, what he's trying to convey. So, again, the fruits of the Spirit are not feelings. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal the things to us through the fruits of the spirit as feelings those fruits of the spirit are what are produced when a person is saved and those are the things the character traits within us that are produced so yeah those aren't feelings it makes me feel joy but that's probably not from the spirit right The first point that I just want to get out of the way here is that feelings, to a certain extent, are indeed a valid source of communication and even truth. For example, if you suddenly feel an intense pain in your gut, just hold that thought and stay right there. Your body is telling you that there's something wrong. That's the truth, even if you have no other evidence to corroborate that yet. That feeling is the evidence. If it's serious enough, it could mean the difference between life and death. Um, okay, that, that is a complete different, that, that's, I mean, it's a feeling, it's pain, um, I would call that a symptom, and not just a feeling, so again, here, I mean, he's almost being flippant with words to, um, get to a point that those things have nothing to do with. So, yeah, it's a feeling, it's a, a pain um, in your stomach, and it is revealing something to you. But it is a completely different thing than what we're going to get into and what is typically um, expected as a feeling when you pray about the Book of Mormon. So, I'll let him go on, but again, that's a, it's almost ridiculous to, to use that as a, uh, as an example so but of course there are plenty of feelings that are meaningless or just a product of your own biases or whatever you had for dinner the crucial factor is discovering the i would say the pain that you just described in your stomach would be probably something you had for dinner source of the feeling is it a ruptured spleen because that's important a funny joke less important the spirit of god very important We'll, we'll try to do a whole episode in the future about differentiating between what comes from the Spirit and what doesn't, so keep an eye out for that. If you are a Christian, the notion of the Holy Ghost having an effect on your feelings shouldn't be a foreign idea. On the road to Emmaus, the resurrected Christ appeared to two men. Later they said, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? On the day of Pentecost, we read that the people were pricked in their heart. Even non-Latter-day Saint websites describe how the Spirit can provide you with an inner knowing, also curiously described as a gut feeling about something. You don't just have to be a Latter-day Saint to feel that. It's available anytime anyone takes a step towards Christ. 
Now, I don't have an, an, an issue talking about intuition or anything like that. And even the, the road to Emmaus. Okay, they did say our heart burned within us. Was that a burning in the bosom? Is that the, the witness of the Holy Spirit? I don't know. I don't know what it is. It could be, um, I mean, there's any number of things. But again, we'll get into it in a minute. But when he, we get a little deeper into this topic. But the uh, their heart burning within them when they're talking about the, the, uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that was not the proof they used. To prove that it was Jesus that was talking to them. That was just, I mean, it was a comment. But we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit more. But that, and again, um, intuition, things like that. You know, I don't know what website he pulled that whole thing off of about the Holy Spirit. But it, it looked kind of Bethel-like. Um, you know, and there are a lot of uh, quote-unquote Christian groups out there. Um, that misuse these things um, as evidence of the Holy Spirit. So we'll let him continue on and we'll talk more. Christ. But if someone tells you that Latter-day Saints just want you to do whatever your feelings dictate, that's wrong. It's more than a feeling. We're going to discuss why that's an actually an inaccurate statement from David in a few minutes. Remember the first two steps of the Book of Mormon challenge? Read it and think about what you've read. There's very much so an element of sincere study involved. You just can't skip straight to asking God, hoping he'll do all the work. A guy named Oliver Cowdery tried that in 1829. God's response was, Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you when you took no thought save it was to ask me. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. The Book of Mormon itself teaches us to experiment upon the word and to exercise a particle of faith. If the experiment yields the promised results, then you've got something there. The main argument against the spiritual confirmation method of learning truth is that truth should be based solely upon empirical, physical evidence. Why don't you? That's not necessarily true. And again, we'll get to that in a minute, but that's a point of contention that I have that is not necessarily true. Evidence is important, yes, but it's not the sole thing of the evidence. And I'll, I'll, I'll get to the point of of what, you know, I mean, faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So, right, not everything we believe do we have absolute evidence for. I think the majority of what we believe we do. Um, but, no, there there is a, a place for faith. Um, trusting, you know, Jesus said to, to Thomas, um, blessed are you, Thomas, because you have seen, but blessed are those who believe and, and have, have not seen, you know, there is a, a, a valid place for faith. I mean, there's a very important place for faith, but not in the place of evidence. And we'll talk about that. And physical evidence is great, but looking for physical evidence in regards to spiritual matters is sort of like trying to learn about apples by researching oranges. For example, how do you know the Bible is true? Many people believe it's true because of the archaeological evidence available. 
Many others believe it's false because of the lack of evidence. The same is true for the Book of Mormon. Besides falling into the circular reasoning of the Bible says so, can you prove that Moses spoke to a burning bush? Can you prove that Christ changed water into wine? Or can you prove that Christ was resurrected? If not, then why do you believe it? Because if we're relying solely upon empirical evidence, shrubbery doesn't talk. Are you the singing voice? Water can't just decide to be wine. It's just water. Water is water. Dead people stay very dead. You're supposed to be dead. Am I not? My guess is that you too have experienced the spiritual inner knowing that we've been talking about. The Holy Ghost has testified to you that even though you weren't there, this stuff really happened. What Latter-day Saints teach is that if we want to learn about truth about spiritual matters, at the end of the day we have to rely on spiritual sources, that source being the Holy Spirit. Again, that doesn't absolve us of sincere study and research. It just means that we believe in the admonition of James. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. For more info on this, check out the links below. I've mainly been addressing a Christian audience. If you're not religious, you probably consider most of this video invalid, but hopefully some of the resources below will speak to you. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. All right, so let's talk about it. Uh, I don't know even where to start. Here's the problem with most of what David just said. Basically, the, the, the challenge in the Book of Mormon is to read it, to think about it, to, to, and pray about it. And ultimately, and, and in reality, despite of what he just said, the majority of the foundation is what is revealed when they pray about it. And here's the, here's the, the, the problem. Here's the rub. When, if I were to say, okay, I prayed about it and I didn't receive the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, there was no burning in my bosom, there was no anything, well then the, what they come back is, well, did you pray with real intent? And that's always the challenge, and I've received it many times. Here's the problem in, in that, is when I was younger, I did read it. And I did pray about it, and I did get this feeling that I interpreted as the Holy Spirit speaking to me as a burning in the bosom. And, and it was. It was a, a warm feeling in my chest that I can reproduce on command when I want to. I can literally emotionally cause myself to have that feeling in my chest. So... There's, there's problem number one, but I did have a testimony of the Book of Mormon, and then I studied it more and more and more, and what I found was mountains of evidence stacking up against it, anachronisms, bad trends, tr or changes in the Book of Mormon, supposedly this most correct book of any books was changed thousands of times, um, Again, anachronisms, things that should not exist in, in the new world before they existed. Sheep, cattle, all the things that were supposedly, that weren't on this continent until they were brought in later, far beyond the days of, of Nephi. And there's all kinds of other things, other evidence that shows the Book of Mormon to be false. Um, and so here's the deal. 
I can take, and yeah, I look at the Bible, and, and there's a lot of evidence for, for the Bible. There's a lot of physical evidence. I don't need a whole lot of faith uh, to believe the Bible is true. I mean, I do have faith in it. I, I, my faith is placed in Christ, and what he did is sufficient. But I don't need to prove that Moses talked to a burning bush. Yeah, I believe it, but I don't have to pray about it. I, I've never gone and said, God, give me a, a, a manifestation from the Holy Spirit that shows that, that Moses did speak to the burning bush, that, that Jesus was resurrected, that any of these things. I've never gone it. I've never had to pray about it. I believe it. I've read it and I believe it and I've never had to pray about it and ask for a, a manifestation. But here, here's the bottom line. It's one thing to have faith in something when there's no evidence for it. But can, to continue to believe in something when the evidence has been stacked up against it and then to go, well, maybe I should just pray about this and oh, I felt like it was true. That's the foundation of many, many, many Mormons' testimonies is even though there's all this evidence that people gave me that showed me that this is all not true, I prayed about it and I felt good about it. Okay, great. I can go into uh, an airplane and have everybody present to me all the evidence of the fact that if I jump out of that airplane without a parachute that all the laws of physics and everything else are, are going to converge in the fact that I am going to die. But I prayed about it, and I feel good about it. So I'm going to jump. That would not be faith. That would, not, that would be stupid. And yeah, I did just say, and I've said it before, you know, believing in something with no evidence can be faith. Believing in something when the evidence is stacked up against it is stupid. And I can't be, I, I can't be any nicer than that because it's really, that is true. When, when I have all the evidence in the world that this pen is yellow, but yet I still insist because I prayed about it and the Holy Spirit or whatever feeling showed me it was pink. That's not true. It's false. And so that's the problem with feelings. And that's why as a Christian, I don't have to, and I don't have to pray about the Book of Mormon because I have read it and I have studied it and I've seen the evidence that is stacked up against it. So I don't have to pray about it because I've seen the evidence against it. Um, when I see the evidence for the Book of, for the Bible, I don't have to pray about it. And in those places where I have no evidence, I have enough faith in the book itself that I don't have to go and pray about it and wait for a feeling to reveal to me what is true. I know it's true. I know. Because Jesus has saved me. God has drawn me to himself. He's regenerated me. He's, he's justified me and he's put me on this path of sanctification that as I grow in knowledge and holiness in him, I know more and more that I can trust in his word to the point that I don't have to go and pray about it. 
So there it is. There's where we come as come from as Christians, and that's why we have such an issue with what it is that the Mormons teach about uh, about praying about the Book of Mormon. Because in that essence, they can they ignore all the evidence. It's not about evidence for it. The problem is, is they're they're using this feeling to ignore the evidence against it, and that's dangerous. And that's why we encourage them to re to turn away from it to turn away from what to to examine the evidence that is there that shows that it is false and then turn away and look to the true god the true christ and the true gospel and repent of their sin and be saved by christ and put their trust in his work and not in a feeling about a book that has been proven number of times to be false so i hope that helped you guys out i hope uh it was beneficial for you as always preach the gospel at all times use words they are necessary and until next time soli deo gloria